I'm Zoe Richmond, Clinical Director of Loxu. Welcome to our latest Loxu podcast. In this edition, I'm joined by Wojciech Karatowski, Chair of the Clinical Council for Eye Health Commissioning, with a background as a consultant ophthalmologist. Back in September, Loxu and the Clinical Council received a ministerial request inviting us to lead on the development of a new national standard service specification for the delivery of minor and urgent eye care on the high street. In this podcast, as we reach a key milestone and publish the new national standard service specification, Wojciech and I will consider our journey to date. time you and I came together we're on the stage at the National Optical Conference over in Cambridgeshire and we announced that we had the opportunity to co-produce this service specification or rather the Clinical Council and LOCSU did. So for our audience LOCSU is the central support organisation for the 74 local optical committees across England. Now we've had a long history developing new care pathways for the sector, working with LOCs on the design of their services, developing service specifications and bringing together the learning from local innovation. As vice chair of the Clinical Council, I'm very aware that the Clinical Council brings a lot of value to this partnership. Can I invite you to introduce the role of the Clinical Council to our listeners and why their involvement, alongside the oversight that we've had from NHS England and the Department of Health, is so important to the development of this service specification? Zoe, thank you. And it's great to be able to to talk to your your members and colleagues again and after our introduction and, and sort of introduction to the whole theme in Cambridge. So let's talk a little bit about the Clinical Council. So the Clinical Council for Eye Health Commissioning was set up some years ago, really at the behest of our colleagues at NHS England. as an organisation that brings together all the people that are involved and interested in the delivery of eye care and eye health health. So what does that cover? That obviously covers the academic side and the colleges. It covers lots of the organisations that we all know about working within the sector. And it also covers a third sector. So we have, as part of our membership, lots of the organisations that are there to support the patient experience and to work to improve patient care. That's really critical because this is one of the few places where all organisations that are involved in ICO sit together and discuss what they can do to improve services, improve experiences, and improve the outcome of patients with visual or eye problems. One of the key features, though, is that we work under a close working relationship with NHS England, and we work with under a memorandum of understanding with NHS England, which has proven really very positive because it gives us that place to discuss issues that are common, support things like this, which are really important in trying to move forward a, a consensus. And give us a sense of sort of knowledge and security about what's going on around us as individual organisations, which which we may not see otherwise. Yes, that's really important. Effective collaboration and that wide stakeholder involvement in the co-development of this service mm-hmm. specification should surely give confidence to the commissioners that are now looking to use this service specification to inform their local care models. Absolutely. And and the, the, the Clinical Council has endorsed the specification and, and lots of our members have supported actually its generation and, and the work that is sort of going on to try to make sure that it is sort of the, the best that we can produce in in terms of support for local commissioners. But what it will do 
And you're quite right. When commissions see this, and they will see that it is supported by the sector as a whole, and that this is the correct clinical pathway and a safe clinical pathway and an appropriate clinical pathway to go down for them to, to go through the process of actually commissioning and implementing these sorts of services. The new service specification mm-hmm. within the invite from the minister, we were invited to, through this service specification, help to improve consistency and reduce unwarranted variation. So now as we speak to the audience again, we're at a, a key milestone in that we have co-developed the service specification and we are now at the stage where we're making this available to LOCs and to commissioners. I think it's important to reflect back on the original ask and we were invited to help improve consistency consistency and reduce unwarranted variation through the development of this new national standard service specification. It's a high-level specification which aims to bring together all the existing services as well as new services to help assure and support a consistent level of high-quality care for our patients. But it's important, isn't it, that it also allows that flexibility Absolutely. And and so this the, you're quite right to describe it as a high-level specification because we know what works in some areas doesn't necessarily always work in others. We also know we can't stay still. And it, what I think is really very positive about the specification is that it is a grounding of where we are. It's a vision to what we could be, but it also allows local systems and local circumstances to, to, to be taken into account in terms of delivery. And also to take things forward, okay? And I think that's really quite important because we know that not everywhere is the same in terms of how you can deliver a service. Not everywhere is the same in terms of what resources that you have to actually deliver that service. However, we still have this goal, which I think you've just spoken about, which is to make sure that there is an equity in terms of delivery and an equity in in terms of access. And I think that's really important. So when commissioners pick this up, what they should see is a framework, a a safe framework, an effective framework, which they can take and build their local services around and build their local pathways around. I totally agree. Flexibility to respond to the local need, but alongside it with opportunity for growth and development and inviting our local leaders really to innovate and continually encourage that continuous cycle of improvement within this framework is, is, is so important, isn't it? It is. And I think that leads me to think and comment really about something which I think is really key in the in the in the specification. And that's its insistence on a, a sort of a, a I think is best described as a common governance framework where professionals across the whole pathway work together and to ensure its efficacy to its appropriateness and to ensure understanding of what is being delivered and what can be delivered and to develop those local pathways that, that are so important to make things function function effectively, both in terms of the view of the patient, which is the most important, the professional delivering the care, but also the commissioner, the, the, the people that are deciding that this is, is the service that they need. And that's really important, because unless we have that collaboration, cooperation and, and governance structure, it becomes very difficult to um, to deliver an effective service. And we've got lots of LOCs listening that will think, well, we've already got a commission service, service locally. And what we're inviting them to do and that their local leaders and their local commissioners is to essentially use this service specification and consider the scope for improvement and encourage that, that working together within it. But I think it's worth 
saying that we're not expecting local systems to decommission their current service and recommission a new one. That's not what this is about. The national spec should be used to identify those areas for improvement. And where there's gaps in provision, where we have areas where there isn't a service in, in, in primary care optometry at the moment, we hope to provide this framework as a conversation starter. Um, so that local leaders can consider how they might improve access to care locally. And it gives the, the, the local leaders that confidence that this is recommended to them. Yeah, Zoe, I think I think that's, that's really important to just to remember. This isn't a document that brushes aside years and years of work and development. Okay, it is a document that that takes those years of development and, and, and all the work people have been done, reorders it really in ways where it takes hopefully the best practice and demonstrates what it can do. And from then on, it gives an opportunity for, for commissioners and professionals to work to actually improve what they've got, develop what they've got further, and also work in a in an area, I, how I, would, I suppose I best described it, in an area where they there is a vision or a comprehensive and comfortable place to be in terms of these types of services. And I think that's important because that gives clinical confidence for all the other processes that need to go to be delivered in terms of the commissioning and the organisation and actually the delivery. This document hopefully gives that confidence for people to go down those pathways, knowing that what they produce will be a a safe and effective service. And I think it's worth just reflecting on actually the aims of the service itself, mm. and that's to deliver optimal first contact care in optometric practice, reduce the need to attend a hospitalised service. But perhaps more importantly, and you and I have discussed it mm. at length in the past, it's also about reducing pressures across primary care in general practice and in A&E. And it's important that when local leaders are looking at this service specification, that they think about that wider system and actually where we expect the activity to move around that system and where the pressures will, the capacity pressures will be relieved. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's really important. We, we sometimes talk about this as a sort of a binary hospital or optometry type world. It, it isn't um, because an awful lot of care is given but in, in other situations. And I think it is important that people realise that this isn't just around diversity Diverting patients from places that have eye casualty services—it it, it just isn't—it isn't the only way that this is going to help. And I think it's important to realise that this is going to be, hopefully, a positive contributor to reducing the pressures on primary care and other potential services. So, so I think that's key. So, one of the things that I wanted to pick up is really the role of the clinical council. And I think one of the things that we, I think, have been good at at the clinical council is is providing that platform and providing that platform for people to work together. Now, the Clinical Council in itself has to rely on its members to produce the documents, the guidelines, and the, and in this case, the specifications. But I think one of the things that's really important is that we've demonstrated, both to NHS England and to the, and to the Department of Health and Social Care, that as a group and as a system, however you wish to describe it, because the, 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 these words are, you know, have different meanings in different contexts. 
as people involved in supporting and delivering iCare, we can effectively work together to produce a consensus of support for documents like this. And I think from my point of view as chair of the Clinical Council, it's been a great pleasure to, to do two things. One is to be approached to do this. And I think that's really quite important in, in, in terms of people's understanding our role in bringing together the various bodies involved, but also the very positive way in which individuals and organisations have worked to support it. And we've done this at a great pace. We've done this very quickly in consideration of how long these sort of processes usually take. And I'm very, very grateful for my colleagues and all involved that they've been able to find the time and the and to put in the effort to do so. And I think that's been very positive. I couldn't agree more. You know, this this process has been an excellent example of effective collaboration, delivering that collective voice, as you rightly say, for eye care. And the involvement of the individuals, everybody so willingly bringing their expert view and engaging in this process and as you say you know we really and um, we're working at a pace and so we we, we, we recognize the pressures that individuals have but we, but it, i think this is a, a great time to really publicly express our thanks for all those involved because this is truly being a co-production so whilst blocks who have held the pen and clinical council provided that endorsement is involved all organizations across the eye care sector and i think that's a really important message for the, for the listeners yeah yeah i, I think that's a really important and you know it's involved the professional organizations the two colleges and all the sector leading bodies so as well as a view on from the patient's perspective and we spoke a little bit about this earlier but but i think it's worth coming back to is that from from a patient perspective it is actually quite important that we keep that in mind because as people who are involved in this on a day-to-day basis we we sometimes lose it's it's very easy to lose that focus and and to make assumptions and and that has been an incredibly useful contribution and a very positive one and which hopefully will help produce more effective and more comfortable and more useful services for for individuals with problems and it also shows that across the eye care sector, people feel that these extended primary care services do deliver value. And I think it's important to recognise that one of the things that a service does is make better use of the skill set and expertise that we already have available in optometric practice. And I think that, that, that there's clear recognition that there are skills on the high street that are currently underutilised. And this service specification gives a framework for how we can make better use of those skills. But but also involve those optometrists and opticians that actually have higher qualifications, independent prescribing qualifications so that um, patients, we can improve the access to treatments for those patients, but also broaden the scope of clinical care delivered in optometric practice. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think I think the specification does offer clinical value. And I think that that's very clear. Remembering that the, we didn't start from a, a clean sheet of paper in the sense that we, as again, we've discussed a little bit earlier, we've grown something out of what was already present and, and improved it and developed it. And I think it is important to understand that this is a methodology by which people can, you know, optometrists working on the high street can use their skills as effectively as possible. But but I also would be hugely supportive of the comment that you just made, Zoe, and that this is an opportunity for people to use potentially further developed skills in terms of the higher qualifications that we all know and understand, but actually to apply them effectively to a population on a community-based basis. And But that, you know, this is a, a, a vision potentially and, a, and a quite an important vision. And the vision is twofold from where I 
I sit as kind of an enthusiast in this area. And that is, it's a way in which people can understand the relevance of those qualifications to to their own lives and and see the value of actually making the efforts to go through the process which is a, a you know a, kind of a, t- a tough one but it's also from the other point of view and um, from the different direction of looking at it actually quite important to understand what the possibilities then are if we can develop that in terms of available services to patients and this is a process this is isn't going to happen overnight and you know that we need to do work to actually do that but this specification is open to those thoughts and processes and i think that's what's important nobody's saying that this has to happen or that has to happen in terms of that of what we've just been talking about but there is an openness and a possibility and a, a willingness to consider how it, these things can be implemented and developed over time yeah, I totally agree. I think what I want to touch on now is that just to reassure the listeners a little bit, because we're talking a lot around this service specification and we're not talking about the detail, but I just want to provide some reassurance really that there are no big surprises in this service specification. It should make sense to those people that are actually very familiar with these service specifications and these these care models. When we wrote the service specification as a direct response to the pandemic, it felt that we were a bit like we were being very ambitious. Now, this service specification is very familiar, but it feels like it's business as usual. It feels like it should be delivered, it should be able to be delivered locally. And that it provides that opportunity for, for, for further innovation. I, 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 I agree. And, and you know, when I've been asked, you know, what's going to be like that? And I, when my answer has always been, you, you, you'll feel a familiarity about the document because it, 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 it's a growth document. It's a progress document. A few moments ago, I talked about not starting from a blank sheet of paper. Absolutely, we haven't started from a blank sheet of paper. Does it feel familiar? Yes, because actually the biology of disease and the skills of our professionals haven't actually altered. What has moved on is how we bring those two things together and actually deliver care in the in cases of need. That's really important because what will evolve and continues to evolve is how we work to actually move the, the care delivery model forward. And this is what, what the specification is, is so much about in, in terms of how we work together. And I think there's a there's a there's an evolution of governance that needs to be acknowledged and that and that's been really important and, and supported. And I think it also is important to recognise that we recognise this perhaps the wrong word, but 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 to, to re-emphasise, I think, is probably a better word, the, the sort of the clinical picture that, that has evolved. And it confirms the views that were had perhaps in the original Q's document. And I think that reaffirmation over, over a period of time is actually quite important because it back to that sort of clinical reassurance that we spoke about, remembering that this document is aimed at commissioners. Okay, we for, for us professionals talking about it now and for those of you listening to this we kind of understand this this is our this is our lives this is our our existence professionally but commissioners need that knowledge need that reassurance and actually for them to see that we've taken something looked at it again reconsidered it and come up with something mildly amended but actually re-endorsed is actually quite an important phenomenon for them Thanks, Wojciech. And I think that seems a really good, natural place to um, end the conversation. So it just leaves me with my thanks to you for joining us on the podcast today. It has been a great pleasure working with you over the last few months as we've co-developed this national service specification. And thank you, because the pleasure has been mutual. 
Doctor will now continue the conversation with the local optical committees across England. In many ways, this is where the hard work starts, as we begin to scope the opportunity for shaping local provision for the benefit of our patients. Thank you for listening. You'll find more about the service specification on our website at locsu.co.uk or you can contact us directly on info at The service specifications and the relating resources are also published on the Clinical Council website. 